At least 50 million people worldwide are believed to be living with Alzheimer's disease or other dementias, while the total number of people with dementia is projected to reach 82 million by 2030. The magnitude of this healthcare issue begs us to question how we deliver care for this population and whether we can be doing better. It's a particularly significant question in light of the deficiencies we've witnessed in nursing care and long-term care homes during the pandemic. And it is within that context that the Village Langley, Canada's first village designed exclusively for those living with dementia, opened its doors in British Columbia last year, offering a unique model of care that celebrates the dignity, independence, and quality of life of its residents. Welcome to In the Business of Change, where we speak with social entrepreneurs impacting their communities and the world. I'm your host, Elisa Birnbaum, publisher and editor-in-chief of Sea Change magazine. I'm delighted to share that my book, also titled In the Business of Change, Profiling Social Entrepreneurs Around the World, is available in audiobook format as well, with me as your trusty narrator. You can find it wherever you normally buy your books and audiobooks, including Amazon or on our website. On today's episode, we speak with Adrian Alfred Burt, Executive Director of The Village Langley. In our conversation, she shares the inspiration behind the new community and the challenges in current dementia care that the village was trying to tackle. Adrian then describes the innovative elements that this model offers and how the approach is providing people with dementia the quality of life and care that they deserve. I was really enjoying my time in long-term care, but one of the things that really, really stood out to me profoundly was that I was seeing so many people living with dementia who were living in, you know, very traditional, what, you know, what most of us would call, because we you know, we really didn't know a different word or a different language. You know, yeah. we would often call a nursing home yeah. or a long-term care home. Um, living with dementia in these settings that really were not a great fit for them. And they were living with people who didn't have the same type of need. And, and they were really struggling to find a place for themselves. Mm-hmm. And um, so often we would see people who were placed in, and again, what we were, what we called special care units and and um you know there was really nothing special or caring about those units um you know they're small units where we put people where we think they are safe and, and really they're very small units behind locked doors and um it was heartbreaking to me. Um, mm. And so when I saw this opportunity come up with the village specifically designed for people living with dementia or cognitive impairment, where they could live um, in a setting designed for them, where they could express themselves freely and move about safely, I thought, this is this is what I want to do. This is where I think I could really make a difference. And, and so this is where I landed. And when did you open the doors then? I'm trying to remember the exact... Date. We opened the doors the second week of August, of August. In, okay. in 2019. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There seems to have been 
at this traditional approach to long-term care for specifically for people with dementia that um, maybe did not meet all their are their needs and um, hence you know village Langley um, I'm wondering if there's anything else you wanted to say about the why of it and the mission and like you know what what is it trying to address um, you know I, I think part of the why is you know there's there's the story bit you know and I think there's um, Everybody has a story, right? And I think when we look at people who are in need of support through their journey um, with dementia or with cognitive impairment, so often their personal story as individuals or as families gets lost. Right. You know? So as, they, as their need for support and care becomes more evident, their personal story gets lost in this mire of of a medicalized system, mm-hmm. right? And so that person has to fit within an existing program, right? Um, as opposed to coming up with a program that is designed to be adjusted to 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 tailor, you know, so that it can be adjusted to mm-hmm. fit individual needs, right? right? And so the village story, you know, is that it was created so that it can be tailored to to really enrich people's lives. And so while, you know, we do provide a professionalized service, you know, mm-hmm. we provide medical care, we provide professional nursing services, we make sure that everybody who lives here is safe, healthy, and well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our main focus is on well-being. And so we make sure that we provide those core needs, you know, food, water, comfort, shelter, and safety. But the things that are most important to us is that those are the base needs. And so what is more important um, is that upon those needs, that those are foundational and Mm -hmm. that through those things that we focus on building identity and connection. And once we have learned somebody's identity that we can then help them feel safe and secure and that we can help them feel independent and autonomous and once we have those things they can they can continue to grow that they can find a sense of meaning they can find a sense of purpose and they mm-hmm. can find happiness and you know just yesterday um yesterday afternoon actually one of our fellows who who lives with us you know, when he came here, he was very unhappy um, and was really struggling to find himself. Um, I, I feel like, you know, he, he felt quite lost. Yeah. Um, and um, he partnered up with one of our volunteers in our wood shop and made this beautiful, beautiful fireplace mantle for us. And yesterday we hung it. Uh, and, uh, he, he helped to hang it. He had a power drill and he had safety goggles and, and he was right in there. And to be honest, Elisa, I'm not sure. I can't tell you if he really understood or recalled that he made that mantle. Right. I'm not quite sure, but he definitely 
felt a sense of connection with that mantle right. because the look on this fellow's face mm-hmm. when it was hung was definitely a, definitely a look of connection. Right. You know, he was smiling from ear to ear and he said, you know, gosh, that thing is beautiful. <laughs> and that's not something he would have said before, right. you know, and he was really in, in engaged and interested in that process. Um, and those yeah. are the things that are joyful. And, yeah. and that brings us joy too. Yeah. That's, that's our story. Amazing. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. so I know that the, the village itself is, is there's a lot going on there, mm-hmm. but, but if, if you can help describe it in any way to explain like the main, you know, any of the main pieces of it. How it works. Yeah. It's not a mystery. You know, it's, it's not rocket science. No. Um, so we, we are different from what we're used to. Yeah. yeah, It's just different. It's (laughs) just different, but we operate as, as a community. So we pay close attention to language. We, you'll never hear what I call the F word, which Mm -hmm. is facility. We're not a, a, you know, community of judgment. So our, you know, residents don't judge each other. We, we don't judge anybody else here. When you're looking at from the street, you'd probably think, oh, this looks like a community center of some sort or a recreation building because you can't see the rest of our village if you're just looking at it straight on. Um, So we're built on seven acres of property. We're um, on an old school ground uh, property. Mm-hmm. And um, behind our main community center, which is where we have, you know, our, our administrative stuff, where really nothing exciting happens. But on the main floor, we have this beautiful bistro cafe where people can come and visit, have a have a meal, have a drink. We've got beer on tap. Uh, we have uh, activities, yoga, exercise. We have our uh, general store where people can come um, and pick up groceries for use in their individual cottages, which I'll speak to. And uh, things in the general store, you know, there's no additional fee for them. These are everyday household grocery items that are used and incorporated into daily menus. They're included in monthly fees. But they're things that you and I would have in our kitchen. You know, they're milk butter, eggs, uh, you know, lunch items, um, fresh produce, for example, bread. So things that people, uh, you know, when they notice that they are running out of in mm-hmm. their household, um, our staff may, may ask a resident, say, hey, you know, um, Joe, we're, we're low on milk. Would you like to go down to the store and pick some up for us? And Joe may come down to the store and pick up milk and bring it back to the household. Or perhaps if Joe is not somebody who is able to self-initiate that and and may need some cueing along the way, a staff member may go with him and include him in that activity um, and again go pick up milk. We've got little uh, grocery carts. Um, But again, including people in regular routine activities um, that you and I may take for granted and grumble about having to do because we're tired of doing it, but we would miss if we don't do it because right. it normalizes our day. Um, we've got a salon for, you know, hair and aesthetics in the community center. And then in the actual village, we have six cottages or, uh, households that, um, are, look like a regular house. They're about 8,000 square feet each. Uh, and they're open concept. So when you walk into a house, the first thing you'll notice when you approach the house is 
nobody just walks into the house unless you are a resident of that house. If you're a resident of, of that house, you have um, a key, which is a fob, right? So you scan mm-hmm. the fob. If you live there, you can walk right in. But if you're a staff member or you're a visitor or a family member, you always ring the doorbell and then ask permission to enter the house. And we do that, uh, again, as a normal customary activity that you do if you're living in the community. You don't just walk into anybody's house. It's, right. it's rude. It's also not a normal household custom. So we do that to, prever- to preserve the sense of home. Mm-hmm. We also do that as a sign of respect and dignity for somebody else's space. Um, and then when you enter the home, uh, we have private bedrooms for everybody, again, to you know, preserve dignity and privacy of people. Um, our bedrooms are a regular-sized bedroom. They're about 300 square feet, so enough space for a queen-sized bed if you'd like to have you know, a bed. You're welcome to bring your own bed. Uh, private washroom for everybody that's fully accessible, so if you have mobility equipment, you're not restricted you know, with having to use um uh, you know, an industrial washroom, for example, you know, you can still use your own space and your private washroom. Right. Um, and then they're fitted with accessibility aids if you do need them. Uh, and then the, in the middle of each home are all of the things that you would expect to have in a regular home. They have uh, an activity room with a television and activity space. There's a living room with regular household furniture uh, with a fireplace that is adjustable to, you know, can be hot, it cannot be hot, right? Mm -hmm, Depending mm -hmm. on safety features for the people who live there. There's a dining area, an open concept dining area. So um, we don't have, you know, the big, huge dining room where everybody in the community dines, which can be very overwhelming with sound. So we have family style dining tables that seat uh, 12. Um, So people can all dine together as a family. um, And we have the same kind of dining table conversations that we would have at home. So, you know, how is your day? What happened throughout the day? We have, you know, just that typical conversation. Try to engaging people in in normal daily conversation. Mm -hmm. Keeping people verbal as long as possible in dementia support is extremely important. Um, So we do our best to have that. Um, and we have a sunroom in each of our homes, again, just to respect those daily customs of people if they just want quiet time or families want to come in and have private conversations and just stretch out on a couch. Um, we have that space as well. So we do our best to make sure that the households are as customary and normal of a setting as possible so people don't feel like they're living in an institutional setting. Um, and to preserve those customs of home are really, really important because one of the things that I, I always questioned is in a typical care setting, there's so many things that we have just come to accept as normal in those settings. That, and I question why, you know, why do we need to have plastic furniture? You know, if things are cleaned properly in the first place, there's really no need to have plastic furniture. Um, There's nothing in our residential care regulations that say you have to have a hospital bed. You know, we need to use beds that are um, that suit the person's care routine, of course, Mm. absolutely. But there's nothing that says it has to look a certain way, you know. So Mm. um, 
we need to be creative and not just assume because we've always done something one way that that is the only way. Uh, so we have a servery or a kitchen in each household, again, with, um, with uh, you know, a fridge that residents can access if they want to help themselves to beverages or fresh fruit or snacks. And then each of our households also has a beautiful oven. And one of the things that we, uh, we really like to do and we take great pride in is that each household uh, serves breakfast on demand. So when people wake up, they wake up in the morning when they choose to wake up. So we're not waking people up at, you know, 7.15 on our schedule because breakfast is served at 8. You know, people wake up when they choose to wake up and we serve them breakfast when they want to have breakfast. Um, And the breakfast is always home cooked and fresh. Um, Lunches and dinners, uh, what we like to do is we will often prepare um, some of those items in a larger kitchen in the in the community center in a larger like in a large kitchen where we can prepare things in in larger quantity. But what we will do is we will finish cooking those things in the individual households. So chicken, I always use roasted chicken as a good example. So if we're roasting a chicken for dinner, you know our chefs in our larger kitchen they may put the chicken in the roasting pan with the seasoning and the vegetables, but we will actually cook that chicken in the individual households or cottages so that, you know, you can smell that chicken roasting Mm -hmm. and it gets people excited about dinner Mm because, you know, that smell is very comforting to people. They associate it with home. They get excited for dinner. They're more likely to eat more. They get excited for the meal. They participate in the meal. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when it comes to, say, the side dishes, like the salad, for example, um, you know, where people are interested and able, we will ask the, the villagers, would you like to participate in helping make the salad? They may, again, if they're able, help chop the vegetables, or we may pre-chop the vegetables and ask the villagers, would you please mix the salad up? And then would this villager, would you please add the dressing and toss the dressing in? Right. Um, things like, you know, baking. You know, they they will lead the baking activities. Um, you know, we're quite interactive with people, and again, engaging them in the regular activities. Nice. And how many how many residents live in this in one home? We have room for thirteen people okay. in each home. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what about the grounds? There's a couple of things that I was reading about the grounds that you mm-hmm. provide. I mean, you did mention the store, which is also, which is important. Any other mm-hmm. elements of the grounds that are important in terms of creating a place of safety and um, and comfort and dignity? Yeah. Anything else you'd like to mention about that? We do. So we've got um, some beautiful walking paths. Mm-hmm. So um, again, uh, you know, we believe in moving. You know, dementia is one of those um, syndromes where you know when you see people pacing and moving about, um, it's because most people need to move. You know, yeah. it's a, it's a physical outlet yeah. for people, mm-hmm. and it's very tactile. So people need to touch. It's a very you know people need to touch things and feel things with their hands. Mm-hmm. So we deliberately have a lot of walking paths. We have a lot of things for people to touch and hold and feel um a lot of sensory experiences so we've got lots of walking paths we have a really beautiful gazebo with seating built in and wind chimes um, for people just to hear different auditory sensations we have um, a, a water fountain with rock features and different lighting in it again for different sensory uh, associations 
Um, we have uh, an outdoor barn. The barn is currently being finished off um, so that we can start incorporating some more animal features. Uh, We're currently uh, installing a chicken coop. (laughs) So we'd like to have some, um, just some, some chickens again, just for some, again, incorporation of something different, you know, animals I find are a very normalizing thing for people. Um, And a lot of our folks have grown up with different types of animals Mm -hmm. around them. Um, we've got a large garden area. Um, so again, something that a lot of people are used to doing, just that act of just playing with soil. What we do with the garden, you know, isn't necessarily always the important thing, but it's the act of playing with the garden right. is what is more important for people in that experience. Right. Um, so those are some of the really important nice. things. We've got two cats that live here. Uh, we have a lot of visiting animals. We have um, a company that we work with that comes in regularly with miniature donkey and miniature horse. They're a very big feature. So there's lots, there's always something going on here. Nice. Um, that's just different. Yes. Does, do people walk with caregivers, like with other people, assistance, or do mm-hmm. they, some people could walk alone? I'm guessing everyone's at a different stage, or, or yeah. you know, is there a way to navigate, help them navigate around the trails? Yeah. It de- so it depends on the person. So mm-hmm. everybody, um, when they come in, when they move in with us, we do an assessment, and then we continually reassess to see what does this person need right now, right. and what does this person need, you know, next Tuesday? Because mm-hmm. everybody changes at a different rate. We do know that dementia is progressive in nature, yeah. um, so we we assess. So. Some people are very, very capable of moving about our grounds very safely, independently. Mm-hmm. Um, some people are able to move around the grounds with a, with a buddy, okay. so with another villager, um, mm-hmm. and that works very well. Mm-hmm. Some people um, who traditionally, in another setting, we would think outdoors, probably the, the presumption would be they're not independently mobile because they're using a wheelchair Mm-hmm. But in our setting, because we're quite smooth, uh, smooth ground, they are actually very independently mm. mobile, nice. um, and they're okay. Yeah. But some people, yes, they do need to have a caregiver with them. Sometimes it's a family member who okay. will be with them. Yeah. Oftentimes it is a staff member. Okay. So it depends on the person. What, what would you wish others would um, would learn from this and how they approach? Uh, caring mm-hmm. for people with dementia um, to the sense of um, just not always accepting that traditional has to be the only way. I mean, you know, those are mm-hmm. things that you wish others would, would sort of take away from that. Um, you know, a few things. I, I yeah. think, yeah, you know, I liked what you just said, you know, considering that the traditional way isn't the only way. And mm. it, it, there's so many things that even currently, if you look at our current buildings and settings that we have um there's so many things that can be done right now that don't cost any money don't cost anything at all and are within everybody's control that we don't do because we because we choose not to take the chance and and some of them are as simple as just you know opening the doors opening a back door you know most most properties have a contained yard. Yeah. Almost all properties have a contained yard. And it's as simple as opening the door to your property's backyard and encouraging your residents, the residents, 
to move about in the backyard. Mm -hmm. If you have proper fall monitoring detection devices, you should be able to do that. If your if your staffing levels are sufficient, you should be able to do that. If right. you educate your families on fall risk, mm-hmm. you should be able to do that. Um, and I would I would encourage and challenge people to think differently about how they assess risk. Um, you know, and that's a very simple thing to do. Yeah. Um, you know, I would encourage people to think twice about what we consider to be a quote-unquote special care unit and think about how is it special hmm. and how is it care? <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, think yeah. about it, yeah. you know, um, and how is it actually helping somebody's behavior of agitation? If If I was an agitated person and I was put in a skinny hallway with a bunch of other people, pretty sure that wouldn't help curtail my agitated behavior. No. You know, so just encourage people just to maybe just think differently. And I think that's a really easy place to start. Um, You know, and I say that not from a place of judgment. Um, It's just it's just from a place of consideration. Thank you for listening to In the Business of Change. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to hear other conversations with inspired social entrepreneurs and change makers working on challenges in their communities and across the globe. I'm your host, Elisa Birnbaum.